Hi, this is retired Pastor Bill Woods in Sun Valley, Arizona, and I just wanted to bring my weekly offering to you today that uh, maybe we can consider some things that are important in the Christian life. I'd like to talk about vaccinated Christians. You know, medical science has rushed to develop a COVID-19 vaccine to safeguard people against getting this dread disease that has created a worldwide pandemic. Currently, there are two varieties of vaccines in the United States that are authorized and recommended, but I understand a third one is being developed too. These COVID-19 vaccinations are supposed to provide immunity from the disease. Because not enough vaccine is available for everybody yet, the Center for Disease Control is vaccinating frontline workers like doctors, nurses, paramedics, also people 75 years old and older. But I understand they're, they're uh, taking that down to 65 years and older. Vaccinations will be available to the rest of society as quickly as they can be developed. The plan is to have all seven and a half billion people in the world inoculated with this serum. Bill Gates and others of his caliber want to make it so that everyone receives a certificate after being vaccinated. Anyone without a certificate will not be able to buy or sell or to travel and a bunch of other restrictions. I understand that they're hoping to put an app on the telephone, your, your, your telephone, that will help you to be able to prove that you've had the shot. And if your app doesn't show that you have or you haven't kept current, then there'll be some repercussions. People are coming by the hordes to get this inoculation. Sounds pretty close to what is described in Revelation 13 and 14 to me. I don't think this is the mark of the beast, but I think it's the forerunner to the mark. It'll get people used to the idea of complying with governmental regulations and make them less suspicious to cooperate. However, when the genuine mark of the beast arrives, people will know that they're making a commitment to comply to the government and to the Antichrist. It will not be something that can be taken by accident or trickery. And I, I just kind of want to rest your mind on that. With all this push for a vaccination to combat the COVID-19 virus, it brought back memories of my childhood when I was forced to get various kinds of vaccinations. I remember as a little boy being taken to the Walla Walla Clinic in my hometown, Walla Walla, Washington, to get my vaccinations. I remember I would kick and scream all the way. Mom would try not to let me know where we were going until we pulled into the parking lot. And then I would just do everything I could to make it impossible to get me inside, but it never worked. They told me when I got there that this vaccination would be good for me, that it would help me to be able to stay well, but I didn't appreciate the opportunity to be vaccinated. I hate getting shots. As a boy, I'd often lay in my bed at night and cringe because many of my relatives had diabetes and had to give themselves a shot every day. How could they do that? I was afraid it might happen to me too. Well, my biggest fear became reality. I now have to administer my own shots twice a day since 1984. Yikes, that means 37 years. 
I've shot myself over 27,000 times, not to mention the gallons of blood that I've shed piercing my finger to test my blood sugar. Uh, there's a difference between an insulin shot, insulin shot and a vaccination. My insulin injection is a small, sharp needle that's clean and sterile and is administered by someone who loves and cares for me very much. That would be me. Marty threatens from time to time to file the points uh, on my needles if I act up. And I guess that's part of her German bloodline heritage. I remember uh, from my childhood uh, how I used to think a vaccination, you know, required a big, square, long, dull needle that was in, administered by a big, hairy, ugly nurse smelling of body odor and trained in a Nazi prison camp with no thought of tenderness or compassion. The nurses would say, Billy, be a big boy. This won't hurt, and it'll soon be over, and I'll give you a lollipop. It's going to pinch. Liar, liar, it didn't pinch. It stabbed, and it did hurt. Look, lady, keep your lollipop. Stay away from my arm and any other target areas on my body. I suspicion this Amazonian nurse was in cahoots with the dentist, and the lollipops were designed to give me the opportunity to kick and scream all the way to the dentist's office. Poor mom. She was so gullible that she bought into these wicked schemes. You'd think she'd eventually come around because she was the poor soul and had to drag her sweet little boy to those horrible places. Then, much to my horror... I learned later she was paying these sadistic people to hurt me, my own mother. I couldn't believe after suffering the horrors of vaccinations that I'd end up to being putting my two beautiful daughters through the exact same thing when I was an adult. Seriously, in medicine, a vaccination is good because it places a small dose of the disease in your body so you can build immunity against the real thing. Usually the disease is, is dead cells and stuff, but hopefully they say you that you won't have to contend with the full-fledged disease. Now, I don't know how that works because I know every time I've ever had a flu shot, I've had the flu afterwards, and the sickest I ever got from the flu was after a flu shot. You know, most churches have people who seem to be vaccinated Christians. They've gotten a small dose of religion that's keeping them from getting the real thing. In medicine, that's good. In Christianity, that's not good at all. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 23, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many people say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. You know, just being vaccinated isn't enough. We need to be fully exposed to genuine Christianity. Uh, children growing up in a church often become vaccinated towards religion, towards God. 
They've been around the church. They have an attitude that they have special privileges because they grew up in the church. They think that they can get away with sin and are allowed certain leniencies others that others don't have because their parents uh, hold certain positions in the church or have attended the church for such a long time. Some of these kids begin to think that the rules really don't apply to them. Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, fell into a uh, victim into these ideas. That's back in First uh, Samuel. Their dad was the high priest of Israel. His boys naturally became priests, but felt the rules were for someone else. We read in First Samuel chapter two, twelve through seventeen. Now the sons of Eli were scoundrels who had no respect for the Lord uh, or their duties as priests. Whenever anyone offered a sacrifice, Eli's sons would send over a servant with a three-pronged fork while the meat of the sacrificed animal was still boiling. The servant would stick the fork into the pot and demand that whatever it brought up be given to Eli's sons. All the Israelites who came to worship at Shiloh were treated this way. Sometimes the servant would come even before the animal's fat had been burned on the altar and he would demand raw meat before it had been boiled so that it could be used for roasting. The man offering the sacrifice might reply, Take as much as you want, but the fat must be burned first. Then the servant would demand, No, give it to me now, or I'll take it by force. So the sin of these young men was very serious in the Lord's sight, for they treated the Lord's offerings with contempt. Well, to make matters worse, Eli knew what was happening and didn't correct his boys. He probably thought he loved them too much to discipline them. You know, if he truly loved them, he would have tried to correct them. I hear people today say, well, I just can't give my child a spanking because I'm just afraid that they won't know that I love them. It's just the opposite. We need to teach children to submit to our authority so they can submit to God's authority. I don't mean to beat some child, but I mean to discipline them in a way that they know that you're serious and they need to comply to your rules so they can comply to God's rules. 1 Samuel 2, 22 through 25 says, Now Eli was very old, but he was aware of what his sons were doing to the people of Israel. He knew, for instance, that his sons were seducing the young women who assisted at the entrance of the tabernacle. Eli told, said to them, I have been hearing reports from all the people about the wicked things you are doing. Why do you keep sinning? You must stop, my sons. The reports I hear among the Lord's people are not good. If someone sins against another person, God can uh, mediate for the guilty party. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede? But Eli's sons wouldn't listen to their father, for the Lord was already planning to put them to death. I remember that in my ministry in one of our churches that there was a young lady that decided that she could be rebellious. She didn't have to have respect for people. She could do whatever she wanted. And her excuse was, my dad's a Sunday school superintendent, and he doesn't care what I do. You know, often kids don't hear the message because they think they're, quote, special, unquote, and the rules apply to everyone else but to them. 
They've been entertained for so long that they don't know they're expected to listen. Parents and grandparents don't seem to be aware of the dangers their children are in. Parents don't try to make the children listen because, well, it's just so hard to understand and it's such a long time for them to sit. I'll tell you, the most important thing you can do, Mom and Dad and Grandpa and Grandma, is to help your children realize how they need to put their respect in God in the proper place. Listen, God's very serious that we serve Him and we train our families to serve Him. 1 Samuel 2, 27 through 31, One day a man of God came to Eli and gave him this message from the Lord. I revealed myself to your ancestors when the people of Israel were slaves in Egypt. I chose your ancestor Aaron from among all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer sacrifices on my altar, to burn incense, and to wear the priestly vest as he served me, and I uh, assigned the sacrificial offerings to the priests. So why do you scorn my sacrifices and offerings? Why do you give your sons more honor than you give me? For you and they have become fat from the best offerings of my people Israel. Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel says, I promise that your branch of the tribe of Levi would always be my priests, but I will honor those who honor me, and I will despise those who think lightly of me. That sounds pretty serious. The time is coming when I'll put an end to your family so it'll no longer serve as my priests. All the members of your family will die before their time. None will reach old age. Well, the interesting thing is that even with this warning, Eli did nothing to fix the problem. You know, we are warned. What will we do? First Samuel chapter 3, 11 through 14. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from the beginning to end. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. You know, I read about a man who worked in an acid factory. He said the only reason anyone gets hurt is because they don't want to follow the rules. The new workers respect the rules, but the seasoned workers think that they can take shortcuts and ignore safety rules and training and still get by. And that's when they will get hurt. I want to say today that in our families, we have none to lose. Many of those children grow up taking the same attitude with them into adulthood. I hear people say, well, I'm a third generation Nazarene. You know, being around the church isn't the same as knowing Jesus Christ. Standing in a garage doesn't make me a car, or sitting at McDonald's doesn't make me a hamburger or a french fry. If your kids know Jesus, you're doing them no, or if your kids don't know Jesus, you're doing them no favors by sheltering and covering for them. We excuse them as being, well, a little independent, you know. Well, actually, they're pagans on their way to hell. We think their antics are cute, but 10 or 15 years from now, they'll be major headaches. If you're faithful to the church, but don't belong to Jesus, you're not going to heaven either. Let me say this. If you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're on your way to hell. 
if you think that because you've grown up in the church or somebody's praying for you that that's going to get you through with God, it's not. It's a personal thing. You need to confess your sins and accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Years ago, a fellow got mad at me and began to tell everyone, well, you can't get to heaven from his church. And that's right. No church will get you to heaven. Only Jesus Christ does. People who get too comfortable with the world become vaccinated. The problem is their, their Christian walk has lost its vitality and has become routine, boring, and dead. 2 Corinthians 6.17 Therefore come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. You know, we lose our sensitivity to Christ and the things God has for us and we become calloused. We hear people who are Christians, or they say they are, been in the church for a long time, but they use coarse humor. They watch filth on TV or the internet. They gossip. They take God's name in vain. I, I, it's one of the things that I've never understood how Christians can stand and say, oh my God, and all this kind of stuff. That's taking God's name in vain. You know, they, I, I've, I've heard people say, well, it's okay, we're all Christians and we understand. Well, does God understand how spatial you are and how you're exempt from his rules? We lose the tenderness we once had towards God and others. We get offended easily and become critical and combative. We lose the re resilience we once had. You know, Satan loves to stir up dissension in God's church in an effort to stop any spiritual progress that's being made. Psalms 119.165 in the King James Version says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. We don't pray or read our Bible, and if we do, we approach God in a flippant, irreverent manner. Uh, yes, we hear people say, well, the middle partition has been torn down at the, the, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. We're invited to approach God's throne. But I want you to know he's still holy, awesome, and majestic. And God still demands respect and holiness on our part. In 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16, So think clearly and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You don't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says you must be holy because I am holy. Hebrews 12:14 says, Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. We must learn reverence and respect. God and our worship of God are serious matters. When we won't heed God's spirit, we harden our hearts. God has some very definite ideas about worship. And I, I'm seeing today in the modern churches, modern Christians, how we've kind of neglected 
finding out what God wants. I hear people say, well, I, I don't like to go to that church or hear that pastor because, well, it just doesn't meet my needs. Well, I want you to know something, that uh, it's not up to the church to meet our needs. It's up to us to meet God's needs. And then if we meet God's needs, then God will meet our needs. And I would encourage you to take seriously the fact that you need to worship Almighty God with all your heart. Look at what happened to Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu. Leviticus chapter 10, 1 through 3. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, put coals of fire in their incense burners and sprinkled incense over them. In this way, they disobeyed the Lord by burning before him the wrong kind of fire, different than he had commanded. So fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and burned them up, and they died there before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord meant when he said, I will display my holiness through those who come near me. I will display my glory before all people. And Aaron was silent. Aaron's sons thought they were special. They didn't have to follow the rules. Someone will say, well, that's just Old Testament. God isn't like that in the New Testament. And I want to say, oh, no, you don't think so? Try reading Acts chapter 5, 1 through 11. But there was a certain man named Ananias who, with his wife Sapphira, sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his, current wife's, with his wife's current consent, he kept the rest. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the, some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not to sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, Was this the price you and your husband received for the land? Yes, she replied, that was the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door and they will carry you out too. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. You know, I get uncomfortable when people get flippant about God. I used to have a district superintendent, so I said, well, we're God's kids, you know, and we got to follow the big guy. And I, I just never have felt that that was proper for somebody that loved the Lord and wanted to honor and respect him. I'm telling you this because I love you and I don't want to see you err. We need revival we need to have some genuine worship to a holy God in our churches. Satan would dearly love to make us too casual, too familiar, too disrespectful. He wants to steal this last generation, our kids, our adults, you and your family. He wants to steal you away from God. You know, we have none to lose. 
vaccinated Christians are just kept from having a full walk with Jesus Christ. They're not immune from going to hell. Don't settle for a religious vaccination. Get the real thing. Would you let me pray with you? Dear Father, I would pray that you help each one of us that are in the hearing of my voice right now to draw close to you. Help us to give the, the honor and the respect in our worship to you. Help us, Lord, to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. And then the things you want us to have be added unto us. And, Lord, then we will be content and we will be fulfilled in our spiritual walk. Lord, I pray if there's some out here today that don't know he's their personal Savior, that they'll accept Jesus Christ. They'll confess their sins and turn away from their sins and begin to live a life of righteousness and holiness. Lord, I just pray that you help us, that we might honor you as we should, and we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember again, if you want to get in touch with me, my, my email address is lowercase R-E-V-W-M www.oods at gmail.com. My mailing address is box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. And I would invite you, please, to, if you need to, uh, write to me. If you need to uh, get in touch with me, I, I would be honored to be able to pray with you and, and do whatever needs to be done. God bless you now, and we'll talk to you later.